They never understand structural racism. They never really understand institutional racism. Welcome to Surviving Society. A political podcast. Exploring the local and global politics of race and class from a sociological perspective. In conversation with academics and activists, researchers and artists. We platform discussions between knowledge sharers, creatives and intellectuals, and change makers. Our mission is clear. Political education for the masses. Grounded in history, theory and practice. Enjoy the episode and please do share with your networks. Hello and welcome to the new Nationwide Project discussion and exploration of 21st century popular culture with me, Rita Gale, Shireen Donnelly-Scott and Julia Toppin. Hello and welcome to Surviving Society. You might be thinking, hmm, that does not sound like Chantel and you would be right because my name is Julia Toppin and I am with Rita Gale and Shireen Donnelly-Scott and this is a new nationwide project take over we are going to be talking about the uk democracy do we have a uk democracy is it on the slide is it on the rise is it on the decline what is going on in uk i put all the k's on because i just don't think kkk is enough anymore okay so let's begin donnelly what's the most pressing thing about the uk democracy that's bothering you right now If I call it a democracy, I would say the present thing is, you know, obviously our new prime minister. I think that is an interesting start. You know, we have our first South Asian prime minister and he is a Tory. It puts Labour to shame. Labour to shame. What's that? Three women. It doesn't take much. A South Asian prime minister and, you know, Labour still with the white men. I'm really interested in, A, how he's going to revive the economy as, you know, a former banker. But also, you know, I'm just, I don't know how Britain's going to cope. I just don't understand. My mind is blown. Never thought this would happen. It is interesting, isn't it? Because I was in the hairdressers last week and um, I had a lovely uh, Nigerian hairdresser. And it must have been the day that he got elected or elected in quotation marks because obviously <laughs> it's not been a proper election um and they were doing vox swaps from the south asian community and someone was like the guy was like i want to know what rishi is going to do for uh british people of south asian heritage and my hairdresser just went eh <laughs> you know that kind of i don't think Rishi's going to be doing anything really but we'll see we'll see so i thought it does bring a really interesting dimension into it. And I also feel like if Liz Truss hadn't been so incompetent, because obviously I feel very strongly that they didn't want Rishi the first time because they didn't want a brown prime minister. And But not only that, they didn't want someone they couldn't control because he's independently wealthy. He doesn't need anything from anyone, right? And neither does his wife, right? So I feel a lot like they didn't feel like they could control him right the sort of the whole white supremacist racism that they they just went with Liz because she was not Rishi right and then they quickly realized that Liz Zaidiat and she only made it through the 44 days and they were like you know what we're gonna have to choke on some of this racism and just take take him right but it will be very very interesting to see how he's treated by the British media Rita what do you think Yeah, you know, I mean, this is our second unelected prime minister, right, from the British public. So we have we've had two prime ministers recently that no one has had the opportunity, public, the general public have had a chance to vote for. Um, He's a banker, hedge fund, like the the big investment banks. Yeah. So Goldman Sachs. His wife, you know, daughter of a billionaire. um, So lots of money. And. I think when you look at societies around the world that have that combination of person at the head of the economy, at the head of the government, you know, normally British media will say about those, uh, you know, those countries, they call them corrupt. They call them banana republics. They call them all these kind of strange euphemisms. People are trying to act like it's business as usual. And what we're Mm. seeing really 
is just basically when people like that become leaders in a society like this, there's a there's a big signaling here as to, well, it's all basically it's, it's, it's not happening. So let's just grab what we can and get the, get the heck out, basically. I think we're in a really dire strait. But I also think in the devastation, this is where the hope comes for real change. Um, it's going to require that current 85% to step it up. And I've got to be honest with you, they seem pretty quiet at the moment, but maybe it's just me, you know? But I mean, change doesn't necessarily mean good. I mean, we're definitely something's brewing. It doesn't mean that there's going to be in our favour. Well, no, it won't be planned in our favour, of course not. But what I'm saying is, you know, we can still be beneficiaries of that. I think what people are recognising, they're looking at their bank account and thinking, this don't add up. My wages are not going up. How can a family cope when their utilities go up 300%? How can they cope when... The food that they're trying to buy in the shops is going up by 15, 20%. And everything's going up by that kind of rate. It's like you can't afford to even do the, the basics. You know what I'm saying? So something's got to give. But, but that's been brewing for how long now? It has, but I think it's kind of impacting the people that it wasn't impacting before. I, don't, I think the poor have always been suffering, right? And they're still suffering. I was watching the news the other day and they were talking to three women all single parents working, but obviously they just can't, they can't and they're basically um, renting in private accommodation, just can't get secure housing basically. And talking about the impact this is having on their children because they can't unpack because they, they think I could be moving at any time. So they're just living mm. in a state of unrest and their kids, they said the kids can't sleep. They don't concentrate at school because they're not settled at home. They're not safe and stable, yeah. No. Yeah, that's right. And there is no, and this is like COVID come and gone. This is got, they weren't talking about COVID. They're just saying, forget COVID. We don't have, um, we don't have a home. We don't have a home. And it's like, we're desperate. What, you know, what, why can a society not house someone? We, we're working, we're, we're, we're prepared to do our part, you know? But it's like, we still can't get help. Um, and this is the kind of thing. So those people have been suffering for a very long time, but I'm talking about the professional people who thought they were okay, who, let's be honest, been keeping current Conservative Party in power for our lifetimes. They're the ones, this whole mortgage hike and all of these things, mm -hmm. um, the triple lock on the pensions, that's going to go, right? Because they can't afford to maintain that. That has to go, right? So they're going to now start to be impacted. And it'll be interesting to see how they react because they're now starting to be affected by 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 profit by by cost of living that's hitting them you know mm -hmm. but I, I i agree with you but i also wonder how do how does this class how does this i suppose kind of middle class white middle class how how do they resist how do they protest i can't imagine them i said this before on our show that i can't imagine them protesting i can't imagine them being out on the street um maybe my, my my imagination is just limited but like how how will they protest I mean I always just think it will be through voting and if we're not going to have a, a new election with this new prime minister I mean do we think there's going to be an election I don't think I mean it's early days isn't it we haven't even had a couple of weeks yet so who knows we could have a new prime minister by Christmas not surprises me right now but <laughs> everywhere I go on the line right now all i see is klarna you know you can pay for your delivery using klarna you can buy foods on layaway right it's the most ridiculous thing and so there's an acknowledgement there right as unconscious acknowledgement that people are struggling and they can't afford to buy things mm -hmm. right even things like you know, I need to buy a 30 pound meal and deliver. I could split it into four weeks or whatever. That's it's just the most ridiculous thing. And like people, I think, you know, this this Christmas is going to be the one where a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people are going to overextend themselves to look after, you know, to give their kids what they need. And then January's going to come. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. I think if the interest rates keep going up and I was watching the news 
this morning and they were saying the US interest rates are gonna go up. So that means interest rates are not gonna go down. And the, the middle classes who have overextended themselves getting that mortgage, right? They're not gonna be able to manage. Think about that. Their mortgage payments have doubled. In the same month, their gas and electricity bills have doubled. Back in the day, I remember back in the day when the interest rates were 80, 18%. And when you walked into the bank, they'd have a little box, right? A little counter where people could have an envelope. They just have the keys in. And on the front of the envelope, it would be your name and your address, <laughs> your account number. Just to avoid your shame, you didn't even need to go to the counter. You just put the thing in, walk out. That's what people just hand back the keys. We're going back to that. We're going back to that where people are going to just hand in the keys. Um, and it's like they, they, they don't know that experience, right, of being like run out of your house. They're not used to not having enough money. They're used mm. to living a very particular life. And I think if they can't live that life, then there's no life for them. Do you know what I mean? There's no life for them. And that will, that is what will get them angry because they're invested in this world as it is right but if they can't get a piece of it then you know that has to end because there's a sense of entitlement right mm, definitely I mean I think with him becoming prime minister I mean he's a strange character I listen to him I do watch him you know he's not a very he's not a man of physical stature but he's a man of obviously uh, financial social and political stature I didn't realize he was very short Listen. Oh no, yeah, he looks. I yeah, thought he was yeah. really tall when, from his from television. You know that, but you know the leader of the opposition is not a tall man either. I might add. So there you go. Yeah, they so make you surprised to know. There's a pattern here, isn't there? Yeah. There's a pattern here, people. Yeah. Um, but I think but, one of the things we didn't touch on was uh, oh God, I've forgotten his name, Trevor. Uh, oh yeah, Trevor Noah. So yeah, the, this is what we're saying, right? Yeah, no, it's just interesting for him to. I think what he did was uh, he must have heard a show on LBC, which is mm -hmm. the uh, kind of the talk radio, I guess, of the UK. Um, and in that, somebody, uh, I'm guessing it sounds like sounded like a white male. Um, yeah, Tory Corner. He, he was a white Englishman. Yeah. Yeah. White yeah. male in English. White male in English was complaining that he wouldn't be allowed to go and be the prime minister of Pakistan or whatever, right? As like some kind of, you know, he doesn't have the right to be British prime minister. Right? He doesn't have the right. Yeah, Trevor Noah, being a black South African man, I think he knows a lot about the British people and racism and therefore... He did one of his kind of thought pieces that he does in his show, like a, about 10 minutes long, uh, dissecting this racism. And then the backlash from the British press and the government <laughs> was just so over the top as to be ridiculous. This is not racist. We're not a racist country. And it's almost like, ugh, I don't even know anymore. I mean... It is ridiculous, but at the same time, you have to take these people seriously because they're putting this stuff out into the ether. Do you know what I mean? And I think maybe maybe the 85% believe it, that, you know, that it's not a racist country. Whereas if you talk to anybody, any person of colour that, that isn't swimming in elite privilege, right? The numbers don't lie, right? They're just talking about letting a thousand people off the gangs matrix today who'd never committed a crime, right? Who shouldn't have been on there in the first place, right? Like it's some kind of, like they've done something great. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think that whole conservative, this is the problem and this is where you get annoyed with Labour because they're not really any better, but the conservatives are always good at communications, Culture war, identity politics, that is their specialism. They know how to divide and rule, right? And Labour never seem to get anyone that's, uh, apart, you know, apart from the Tony Blair, Alistair Campbell era, that's the only era where they actually knew how to manage media, right? They've not done it before and they've not done it after. 
and um and then you know and then they don't get their house in order because their report on racism came out and they basically just swept it under the rug like it didn't exist yeah no I agree I mean the tribunal comment was interesting in regards to the backlash that it caused over here um you know I with everything that's going on in the economy, it was surprising to hear politicians want to respond to that. I'm just like, I think you've got enough things to do. Then worry about, you know, a comic in America making a joke about British racism um, where he's not wrong. He's absolutely not wrong um, in his jokes. So, yeah, I mean, one of the, the highlights for me was uh, Javid, who said that, you know, Britain is... A multicultural country that not at all racist uh, most multicultural country in the world I think something like that something like that <laughs> um and then you know they're not racist and you know it, it, I think that just speaks to your point Julia that you know there are especially with Tories identity politics you know with you know the cabinets of colour um how they are able to really dismiss or play to that right and they're those tokens that say, well, no, we're here. So racism doesn't exist. And it's, it's a very odd, it's a very odd scenario that the, and, and kind of play that they have. But yeah, so I thought the Trevor Noah thing was funny because I just, like I said, I think they have better things to do than, you know, respond to a joke. But also the fact that it's interesting to see that Britain are so sensitive to being called mm. out on their racism. And they, they are so racist. It. I'm sorry, but they are. Yes, and the culture they absolutely is racist, hate it. and they they call on racism. Their history is racist, and they call on their history. And so it's so interesting to see how sensitive they are about that. And the same thing with the caller on LBC, who, when being called out for his racist remarks, was just refusing to acknowledge that he was racist while doubling down on the racist remarks. And it's just a very odd. I suppose like juxtaposition with that where you know it's like we want to say racist things but we don't want to be racist um it's it's, it's odd I mean yeah so I thought that was it was interesting it's not, they even don't want to be racist they want to say racist things but they're staring you in your face and telling you that they're not racist because they I think they really do think that if they're not bossing the n-word on you right if they're not popping the oh, N-word on you, they're not being racist. I think they equate racism with the N-word. They don't, they never understand structural racism. They never really understand institutional racism, even though how many years it's been since the McPherson thing, right? And then they only understand it when when Christopher turned around and said, oh, institutional racism doesn't exist. Well, then gonna... they're quick to throw that in your face. Yeah, right? say... But other than that, they just really, they have this, it's almost a bit like in in the TV show Westworld, right? Where they're all, they're all Android, right? But a lot of, most of them don't know they're Android. Um, and when they show them a picture of something from the modern world, they look at it and they can't, they've been programmed not to see anything. They go, it doesn't look like anything to me. That's what white English people are like. And literally, there's like a chip in their head where it just blurs and like they just oh I'm not I'm not racist you know well, that's why I'm, just, like, I'm surprised that you know people aren't protesting there's not more protests about Rishi because I, I think that I mean especially in this kind of era of Brexit right the values of Brexit right of kind of maintaining the illusion of British democracy and you know independence and um, keeping immigrants out and and looking after our own you know, all these covert ways of saying, you know, keep Britain white, you know, the whole British manga uh, agenda, you know, it's just so interesting that, you know, but we can't, yeah, it's just, we still can't acknowledge it. So, I, yeah, I think, it, but I think that Westworld one is, is, is hilarious. It is. No, I think definitely. that's, I think that's what it is. It's like, do not compute, just, they just can't process it. You are listening to the new Nationwide Project. You are listening to the new Nationwide Project. You know, this is the, the, I think the tragedy of Britain in many ways is that it's so embedded with its past, right? It mm. cannot move forward to a future, you know what I mean? It's like it's in a freeze frame. It's too invested so, in it. Well, totally, but it also, it, it's invested in a way that it can't see anything else. So that's it. The, in, the glorious or inglorious, as we would call it, past.
And that's it. Because in their mind, and what that tells you is that in their mind, they don't believe they have a future, right? Because it's like they're not planning for a future. And, and this government, what we're seeing, the kind of smash and grab and the, the wholesale selling and the wholesale debt and debting is about that. It's like we don't, we're not thinking 20 years down the line. It's like when I'm talking to people, they always say, oh, man, nothing's working here. And it's like, well, if you want stuff to work, mm-hmm. someone you have to invest. You have to invest thinking in 20 years time, in 30 years time, in 40 years time. They're not having that conversation. They're thinking, sort out the shareholders. They're thinking two, three years, get my money, get it, boom, 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 out, right? It's going to be interesting, right? Because I think what Rishi has done, he's going to bring racism back to the fore. And people in this country don't want to talk about that subject. They but don't want to talk like about it. It's already been in the fore. I mean, especially with Brexit, like racism has been an uncomfortable conversation for the Brits to have to deal with. At they least, don't deal with it. Yeah, racism has existed before 2016, but I feel like it's been part of the kind of national conversation, especially since then. And then, like you said, with the Harry, it is, comments, but they don't call it racism. It's these little so. things that keep coming up that reminding the British public and the institutions that they're racist. But they're not calling these things racism. They don't call the whole conversation what's going on. You know, we had the situation this week. Where what I'll call it what he is, white terrorist, suicide bomber, bombed an immigration center in the southeast of England, right? In Dover, Kent. That is terrorism. And they're using every, every other word but to call it that, right? Because people don't want to use that language. So they they use all these metaphors to describe behavior that is just straight up racism, yeah? been stoking all the people coming from the northern France they've been stoking it stoking it stoking it stoking it's literally getting a numbers count right yeah Um, this website is saying that Guardian's saying there's been 165 incidents of activity from far-right and anti-refugee activists at immigration facilities so far this year a charity called Hope Not Hate has been recording them so these things have been happening and they know there's a pattern of them happening and now they're getting more extreme. And I just feel like, what is going to happen? You know, the, the way that white people, I mean, we're, I always say that America is like 10 years. I used to say America was always 10 years ahead of us. But now it feels like they're three to five years ahead of us. And mm, the violence fast, that they're we? doing. Yeah, we're, who's, who's we're got, getting closer. Who's got closer. faster and who's got slower in your analogy? Sorry. Curious. I feel like we've got far, I feel like the craziness of America, because I always used to say America is like the best of everything and the worst of everything, right? As a black person, I could go over there and work hard and maybe I could become a millionaire, right? Um, I think that'd be a lot harder to do over here, right? However, I also feel, you know, they have guns and they have like, they've always had this crazy bipartisan politics that has just become more and more irrational over time. And then I think once social media kicked in, that went into hyperdrive and that kind of gap that we had. And then all the people that were stoking all that, like your Steve Bannons and whatever, they got hired over here by the Mm. Conservatives to run their Brexit and run their leadership campaigns, right? And so we've got that kind of divisive, rhetoric just all through Facebook through I mean it's it's more Facebook well Facebook Twitter I suppose all the social medias you've you've got they've got these crazy things conspiracy theories well we had someone didn't we Julia yesterday even yesterday when we had we're starting to get all of these bizarre accounts following black yes that's right I've had to start block because now that Elon's bought Twitter We'll see what kind of craziness he's already started doing craziness, but he's already like bought Twitter apparently. A load of people. Yeah, use of the N-word has gone through the roof and all that kind of stuff. And it's like anyone that follows me that I don't know, they're just getting blocked Block. because I do not want to get into any of them bots or trolls or in their loop. And I could see that whoever had gone into my account had gone in and followed loads of my followers. Um do you know what I mean? When people follow me, if they're into jungle or they're into, you know, black womanhood, black feminism, or they're into UK politics, 
or popular culture, I get that. I understand why you're following me. But if you're just some random person who never tweets and your pictures, there's no picture of you, you're anonymous, you've got some weird name, you're following all these random people that I don't know. It's like, no, you've got to get blocked, mate. I, you're, yeah. you're a bot. You're basically a bot. So yeah. I think bots are quite easy to spot, really. They yeah. are. But, they are, but you can miss them, though, right, in the rush to kind of, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, I think because I don't have loads of followers. I only, I have, like, over a little bit over 2,000. So they call me, I'm, like, micro. But every time I get the... I look at my notifications all the time because yeah. I've got people whose tweets I want to read. So I do see every time somebody follows me. Um, yeah, and I'm looking now. I never used to look at who's following me, but when a new follower, I click on to see who they are, and if something don't yeah. feel right, block. Very easy to time see who someone is. And when they don't tweet, that's the biggest red flag, or they just retweet other people's tweets. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot for Rishi to sort out. I think he's going to distance himself from Brexit. Because it wasn't really his thing, it's like Boris's thing. Mm. And wasn't I think he, that if he, does that, he was a Brexit. Well, he might be, but it's not good for the economy. All the, the the data is out now. Brexit is literally putting this country on its knees. And um the immigration stuff, that's why one of the reasons why they were moaning about um because they wanted to relax immigration, didn't they? Yeah. There was, that was the argument they were having a few weeks ago. They wanted to relax immigration because they can't get people in to do the work. No. You know, the whole idea was like, you know, all the British people, you know, they made it sound like all these white people couldn't get jobs because all these immigrants and, you know, uh, South Asian people, East Asian people, black people, people from the diaspora were coming in, taking their jobs. Right. That's the that's the mental image that they kept putting out. So that's why they wanted a drawbridge. So right? now that they, now that they've closed that door on them, the jobs are still waiting to be filled, right? Because what? Because they're not good jobs. Those jobs. They don't yeah. want those jobs. Those jobs. They see that a lot of those jobs is beneath them, and and that's another part of the problem. They're well, like they're not paying they're enough for them for... to live on, right? Exactly. They're happy for you to take certain jobs, but you can't have. You know, you couldn't you know, make sure your children go to university so they can start competing with middle-class people for one of their jobs. Then they've got a problem, right? So, I don't know, it's weird. But I've already said uh, on on a new nationwide podcast, I've made it clear that I'm not going to retire in UKKK. <laughs> this country is so, not for me. But so leading off from that, you know, we know racism and so forth. And I guess, you know, one of the things I think what we're alluding to is that there's all of this chaos, right? And in chaos, of course, as Black people and as Black women, mm. you know, we're not feeling safe right now, you know, because there's too many variables and everything's happening too quick. You know, normally there's a, there's a sedateness about Britain. There's always been, it's always been messy. Britain's always been messy, but, but it had a certain pace that it operated at. But that's just gone. It feels like someone's just put their foot on the accelerator and it's just zooming, you know what I mean? Zooming. And so you just don't know when this is going to crash in the way it does. And mm -hmm. so as Black people, we know we're on alert right now. I'm on alert. I'm really watching where I Absolutely. go and what I do and where I'm going and how I'm going to get there. I'm really thinking about these things all the time, you know, in a way mm -hmm. that I'm not sure I was doing as much before, right? And I think that brings us to that whole thing of who can, who is there to give that analysis? And I, and I was really thinking to myself, as crazy as the whole situation on um, social media is, a lot of the knowledge that I'm getting now is from social media. And this is someone, I'm speaking as someone who has a background in, in news, right? Current affairs, because the mainstream news is, is just, the, it's, it just feels like it's a poppy show right now. And I, I saw a tweet from Robert Peston, who's a British journalist, formerly of the BBC, who's now on ITV. And he was tweeting about it, the editor of his program, congratulating her. Now, he said it in a way, I'm like, I don't know if this was Robert's kind of very dry sense of humor, I'm not sure, who knows? You know, only Robert will truly know what the intention of his words were in, in fact. However, the, his um, editor is going to work for the head of comms for Rishi. I mean, Rishi's just become prime minister. So this woman's left 
senior position at ITN, which is a, one of our major news um, program suppliers. It does news for ITV, Channel 5, and crucially, Channel 4 for all you liberal people out there, right? Um, so it does the news for all of those networks. She's just gone to work for Rishi. And this follows a whole journey of journalists who just jumped, gone straight to the head of comms, um, on the right ooh, and left, you know, obviously most infamous, Alistair Campbell obviously was working for Tony Blair. But you can see this relationship between the media number 10, and, and Downing Street it's just Very getting incestuous. closer and closer and closer yeah. and close. I mean, incestuous is the right word. So it's like, if they're that close, right? Because I didn't see the job advertised. You understand what I'm saying? This job wasn't advertised on LinkedIn. You get me? So it's like, how did, how did this job, <laughs> how did that happen? You know what I'm saying? So it's clearly, you know, backroom channels. So who is going to hold this government and any other government, quite frankly, to account? Who, who there? Who's going to do that job? None of them are doing it right now. You know, the role of the press. But again, you know, if you read the, you know, Power Without Responsibility, Professor Curran and Jean Seaton, you know, we did that in first year media and comms at Goldsmiths, right? And, you know, mm. they critiqued that whole idea that the press was for the people and whatever. And even back then, you know, they're talking about that they're just serving capital interests but the bbc was supposed to be the impartial thing but we now know that that's not impartial either you know yeah. that we we've caught the bbc out in so many lies now that it's actually ridiculous but we can't keep up no... with the lies can we, we can't no we can't keep up and i feel like i'm the same as you I, where am i supposed to go to get my news i don't trust the guardian right um I trust the FT in because they only care about money, right? They're just going to give me the money line, but I'm not paying for that. I'm not paying for the Telegraph or the Times or I'm not paying for any of those things, right? And so, you know, maybe I should spend some more time on, I think, it's Double Down News or there are yeah. other outlets, but they don't have the resources of like they a mainstream media. Maybe, maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe we all need to join them, right? Maybe we all need to join Double Down News and see what happens, right? But, you know, I don't feel like I have somewhere to go to get any kind of objective news coverage. What I used to do was I used to read the Guardian version of a story and I used to read the Telegraph version of a story and I used to negotiate a way in the middle but now telegraphs on the paywall i can't do that right and um and the guardian's gone sliding it's ever decreasing slide towards the right anyway mm, big time um big time and so i just i don't know like how are you supposed to make effective decisions when you don't have an objective functioning press right mm. or broadcast news media right how are you supposed to do that how is anyone supposed to do that and for that reason this country's broken it's broken the democracy you know we're no better than all these corrupt countries like you were saying earlier that we talk about oh third world nation it's like well what have we got we've got children starving check right mm. we've got people um living in the worst kind of precarity because of all the zero hours contracts we've got people living in the worst kind of poverty because we've got all these landlords charging ridiculous amounts of money for rent and that's not kept in check right we've got schools discriminating on the basis of what your hair looks like right they're telling people yeah. so it's not law they're suggesting that you shouldn't discriminate against a child on the basis of their hair Guidelines, and they're just guidelines, you know. It's not the law; it's just guidelines yeah. that this would probably be the, a good thing. But this is the kind of attitude, isn't it, towards racism, isn't it? Yeah. So, and then you know, we've got all the you know on the on the academic research side, we've got the UKRI giving out money to anyone that's not black, basically, even if it's <laughs> black research. Right? So anybody but black, anybody, anybody that's not black. Right. We've got the academy, you know, maybe it's getting better, but they're still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just yeah. don't know. I think it's such a shame that people of a certain class can't come together. Right. It shouldn't even be class. 
I was looking at some stuff about middle class and what does it mean mm. to be middle class. I found it quite interesting. There's a lot more people in the middle class bracket than there are in the working class bracket, which means that, you know, if Labour are the party of the working class, and I would argue that they're really trying hard to pretend that they're not, right? Because they've worked that out already. There's not enough working class people for a majority, right? Mm. They need the middle class, mm. right? And in well, order those to who are the, the electorate who are voting, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because this is saying that the medium, medium monthly income in August 2022 is 2,111 pounds. If you're earning the average median income, that's between 26 and say 30 grand a year, let's say that. It's not enough. Because it's if you enough. think about a professional worker of working age, they're probably going to have a student loan. So student loans having a nibble out of that, right? You've got to pay your gas and electricity out of that and your council tax, so real bills and your travel costs to get to work wherever it is. And cost mm-hmm. of travel now is is, is ridiculous. Is is honestly it's eye-watering. It doesn't matter where you go in a country, you get on a bus, you just don't know what they're gonna t- you know, you just see that money going, you know. It's it's ridiculous. So by the yeah, time I've they got, nothing I've left. Pounds on oyster just don't last anymore. No, it don't last too it doesn't last. Yeah, the oyster used to be the pay as you go used to be a good value, but now it's like boom, 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 it's gone, you know. So if you're working five days a week, you're going to have to get some kind of travel card, right? Because you need that's a lot of money. Um, it's not adding up. So being middle class today doesn't it's not yeah. the same thing. They're not rich anymore. Being middle class. They're not, you know? but they think they are. That's part of the problem. Well, they Instead think they're like... richer than the poor, significantly rich. I was speaking to a woman the other day. And, and for me, this summed up exactly what we need to do. She um, expected to retire at 60. That was her plan. <laughs> You're laughing, you see, because we're not even having that conversation, are we? Um, and she recognized, I think, obviously, with all the jiggery pokery with the state pension and with people's private pensions, because only when you get to a certain age, you actually start to look to see what's in the pot, right? When you're young, you don't even check it, right? But when you're you older, you think about the pot, yeah. you start looking in the pot, you don't start thinking, you think you don't even think about the pot. Then you get to a certain age, you start thinking about the pot, but then you get to a certain age, you start looking in the pot. And when you look in the pot, see, there's not a lot there. You're thinking, hang on a minute. <laughs> it's not what I thought it would be. I'm going to be living on kitty cat sandwiches, mate. <laughs> if I don't something out. That was always my joke. And she said, she's not, uh, she planned sandwich. to retire at 60. And she suddenly got to 60. No, she's coming up to 60. And she said, I can't retire. I've got to wait till oh. I get my state pension at 67. So she's work, she's calculated, she's going to have to work that additional seven years that she planned to be living a life, living it large, basically. She That's all gonna gone out of the window. And she's, yeah. and I'm thinking, I was waiting for the punchline, I saying, right, I'm ready to build my banners, I'm going on the street, I'm gonna, you know, Boris, right, blah, blah, blah. No. I said, well, who's responsible for this? I said, it's the government, right? She went, no, it's not the government. It's all these single parents living off benefits. That's what she said. This was her response. I really believe, and it's just like, you know, they've cut down, there's even a cap on how many kids get benefit now. So that's why the children are starving. Yeah. Like, these people are just ignorant. I remember the cost of living. So this is a person who, and I said, well, how did you work that out? And she said, well, they're all living. I said, really, though? I said, who? Who are these people that are living? You know what I mean? Because they always say this. I'm like, yeah, but who are they? Because I've met some of these women and I, I don't think they're living a great life. Do you know what I mean? You can see they are struggling. If you're on a low income, if you're living off universal credit and you have school-aged children, you're in trouble right now. There are no two ways about it. You're in trouble financially. She wouldn't hold him to account. She said it's not his fault. I don't. They really love him. I don't understand. The, 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 there must be some kind of subliminal... Maybe it's in this, is that crazy ass hair he's got. There's some kind it's of something. subliminal something vibration there. that's coming off that I don't get, right? Because something even there when I do hairdresser, it's like, oh yeah, Boris, 
he was good. And look, when they got rid of him, now the country's falling apart. They should have left him there. And I'm thinking, what is this woman talking about? See, there you go. I don't know. Maybe I don't. There's something there, you know. There's something there. And I'm we, listen. I'm giving you a freebie here. If someone wants to go and get some UKRI funding, preferably white, because you've got more likelihood of getting the money. Yeah. Do some research about Boris. Find out what is it. What is the charisma about Bojo that people want a piece of? Right. He's what always been a charlatan. He's never not been that. And everybody but they love knows him. it. They love him. They, they And it's true. It's a real love, right? And this woman would not, even when I kept coming back, she wouldn't have it. And I just thought... I mean, I agree. I think that, you know, the allure that Boris has is bizarre and is absolutely deserving of research and, and, and analysis. Um, is his baby yeah. mama thing? Because, you know, he's a baby mama, baby mama drama, yeah? Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say was, you know, in, in response to the the woman that you were speaking to and and this, the you know, switching it to being a moral problem, right? It's the moral problem of Britain that we have these single mothers out here that's just like taking the funds of the state, right? Which we, you know, we, the Brits and the British media and BBC have all been, you know, Channel 4, remember all the benefits street, all of that coming to pass now. Exactly, I was just about to say, you know, all of these shows that have portrayed these ideas that there are lazy Brits who don't want to do any work and just want to live off the state, ironically, when we have, like, the Tories literally. Yeah, yeah, the the breakdown of the state. But anyway, you know, and the fact that, you know, this idea that becomes this moral issue, I think is interesting, especially because Boris is just so immoral you know like you said with the baby mothers the several wives yeah, you we know, don't know how many kids he's got we still the don't lying, know the cheating all the the scandal you know so it's like it's really funny that you know the way in which what moral morality looks like in britain because it's like this working class you know single mothers wrong but middle class lying cheating adulterous men can go into politics um yeah you know i mean i said that one of the things with Boris as well because I remember I can't remember who I think it was Ed Miliband I remember when he was running and I think before he wanted to run as the leader of of Labour I remember he had to get married to his long-term partner because there was such a lot of controversy over Mm. him being a a, you know not cohabiting couple right yeah and they're like that's that's not acceptable you know for a prime minister but then we had Boris right who was not just let him get away with everything (laughs) And, and that's what like, I think is another thing that's interesting. I guess I think this is tied to this whole idea of whiteness. But kind of going back to the LBC caller, funny enough, was one of the points was, was that they said that, you know, like Boris loves Britain. And I thought that was odd. Like, I don't know how you can get that. But he seems to, to symbolise something, even if his actions don't do that work. He seems to symbolise it something. I don't know. It's, it's I think it's something kind of primordial, you know, it's that kind of old Churchill. And he always talks in like war metaphors. Yeah. yeah. A lot of black people like Boris. I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know about him as prime minister, but definitely as mayor of London, I had a lot of black he friends. He didn't do like, oh, anything as mayor of London. He read the Oh, he did. What he did, he introduced the, the gang matrix. Huh? Yeah. He criminalised young black people. Him and his yeah, friend Kitts, yeah? I mean, what he did as mayor is what he did as a prime minister. You know, wasting London money, the millennium, the bridge idea, and all the other things that fell through. That was Boris. And 250,000 people dead from COVID, like, because we did not Mm. lock down early enough. Like, these people, do they not remember? But when, like, in, what was it? When in, like, March 2021, when there was, like, a thousand people dying every day because he wouldn't shut down Christmas. Yeah, but who reminds people of that? Oh, see, nobody. Our media, our media, no one's holding them to account, right? I'm a subscribe to Double Down News. Which is why when Trevor Noah said what he said, they lost their minds, right? Because it's like they can't control him, right? Because he's too far away. He's he's over there. He's over there and he's got a very, very wide audience. Yeah, He's not like Laura or remember when Emily said something and they just clap her she was off television the next day they might as well have got the hook and just yanked her off the screen right when she said something they didn't like it was just like no and then you didn't see her for about a week and yeah. she come back meek you know the people who own our media um excluding the bbc we have to remember the bbc's a state it's a state broadcaster right it's celebrating 
and I'll use the quote, celebrating its 100th anniversary, right? The formation of the United Kingdom. And it could be an era, remember, we've got the, you know, this could be the end of the United Kingdom as the BBC celebrates its 100th anniversary and Channel 4, as we know, are celebrating their 40th anniversary. This is all happening during Black History Month, but it's been a strange Black History Month, hasn't it? This has been a weird Black no, History no, Month. No, no, it hasn't, Rita. It hasn't. This Go has on. been the Black History Month you get when they all shot their load in 2020, right? And now they think they're done and they don't. They are done, innit? They're done. I said then, look at all the Black History stuff they're doing after Black Lives Matter. I wonder if they're going to be this consistent a few years later. And we knew that it lasted a year, didn't it? Now we know. It lasted lasted 12 months. (laughs) It it lasted 12 months and then they just said, oh, use lot, shut up. Yeah, shut up. If you don't like it, you know what you can do. That's the attitude. Exactly. That is the attitude. But so, I mean, where, I mean, gosh, I don't even know we should. I don't even know if we can even make a prediction right now. This is the crazy thing. You know, we wanted to kind of end the show with a kind of surviving society audience. This is da 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 da. But can we do that? I'm, I don't feel I can. I think. Go on. If Rishi brings the economy back, and I think he will be able to do that. I was just reading his speech. It's actually quite interesting because he's promising to look after everyone, right? But you remember, he's got an MBA and, and you know, he's been running around with these he's banks. He's friend of bankers, right? So he can get the money. Yeah, he he is. And if, if, if he can get the economy back on track, right, and um, and give out a little bit, I think he knows he's got to, he can't just go, yeah, poor people for dead. That's not going to work because there'll just be riots. Definitely next year, right? Because people are properly struggling, right? So... Mm. If he could balance the economy and give the state enough money to function, because that's all they ever do. They just give it enough money. It's like keep, a vampire. To keep, to keep ticking over, right? Enough. Yeah, if he could keep it ticking over, he could make it to the general election. But you see, yeah, but that's all he needs to do. He ain't winning that election. You don't think he's winning that election? No, not at all. He, he might get to the, that election, but he's not winning it. But do you think he would run, though? I mean, he doesn't need to run, does he? I mean, I you know I'm just wondering if he'll be here in 2023. Like I that if he can get no, there's no one else, man. If he can get to the new year, (laughs) that's boring. I mean, the the media is already gunning for him. The media is already gunning for him. They're already pessimistic, wanting to write negative things about him. Um, I mean, we didn't mention it, but the Suella, the whole Cruella thing is a kind of a loaded it's gun brewing, isn't it well she was the one who who knifed yeah. um, liz right in order for I this to understand why it's a loaded gun they're just you know what it is they love boris the media love boris because he, well he's one know, of them he's a journalist isn't it he's one of their parties, boys right yeah because they were the reason why they couldn't report on those parties because they know that half of them were running half of them were there parties, yeah. they were there right I think that I mean I think we're definitely like it's it's really bad but I I don't know I feel like there's 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 still more bad to to go yeah um it's gonna get worse before it gets better yeah I mean I I I don't see this being an end to this current to use whole conjuncture I don't think that there's an end to this inside we we're in something and I think that we keep, we're like in a ship with lots of holes. And I think every day we find a new hole. Every day a new oh, hole. There's a lot of holes. <laughs> yeah, a new there hole. There's a lot of holes. Yeah, this is like, I don't know, I think it's probably like 30 years of politics or 40 years of politics in the making, but I feel like we're, it's, it's the sinking ship. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, like you said, maybe this thinking is part of, like, this change is part of something. Of a, I think it is. Because I kind reason. of feel for things to happen, what we would, we're imagining, or working towards, writing towards, trying to bring into being, I kind of feel Britain, in order to let go of that baggage, the baggage of the past. Yeah. I, yeah it I, has I, to be the rock bottom. You know, I feel like it has to go to the rock bottom for them to say, you know what? let's we're ready now and I feel a lot of what we've had in the last well in our lifetime say 
they've been false dawns. They haven't really changed, right? It's they've tinkered. We've had a bit of tinkering. They've given you a mm. couple of quid here. They're giving you a little event here and a little TV show here and we're like, and a little award here. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're doing Britain's anti-racist, man. But it's like but the, 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 the things that brought about the, the racism, they're still in place. It's mm. all still in place. So I kind of feel like it has to get to rock bottom. And they're fighting too for now to kind of find it any which way to kind of keep keep it going, you know, saddle it with debt. They just kind of keep 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 putting plasters well, on it. The debt has been growing and growing and growing over these last yeah. 12 years yeah. of Tory run, right? Yeah. You know, we worried so, about the debt with, you know, the financial crisis. And it's just got worse and worse and worse. They've been borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. So now I, I, I think that, yeah, I think it's definitely worse to get. I think there is a rock bottom still to hit. Yeah. Um, but I agree as well. I think that maybe part of this is, is that Britain needs to let go of the part. It has to, it has, it has to reckon with itself. It has to reckon with everything. It's racist. And they haven't done that yet. It's, you know. I don't know if they ever will. It's colonial empire thinking they need to let this go. And they won't do it voluntarily. Embrace this modern world. If we're going to embrace this modern Britain, we The future. The old Britain has to die. You know, the old Britain has to die for the new to, to come into place so yeah, yeah i think we're and it hasn't died track. yet they're still holding yeah. on to that old exactly because they can't like... let they can't imagine and the people that are running this society they, they want things to stay as they are so they they're very invested in keeping all that paraphernalia of the past going right Absolutely. everything right and so they're just not going to let it go and and i think it will have to be the people when the people realize recognize there's no way out of this that mm. world, there's no way, there's no future even for myself and definitely not for my children and grandchildren. And we're seeing that with the climate people, right? These are white mm. middle class people saying, where's the future for my grandchildren? Where's there this money one. going, right? These are people They've who quite happy to stay stuff. at home and watch TV, but they're out on the streets, lying in the road, campaigning, getting arrested because they recognize this can't run. Whatever they can't they're doing, it run. is not sustainable. But you know what? Yeah. I think we've had a really good and interesting conversation. As you can see, there's, there's so much happening in the world. And Britain is Britain is in turmoil. I think, I, you know, it seems a very melodramatic word. These are, these it are is in a serious crisis and we can't under, underplay that. Um, so we're gonna... Interesting things can come out of a crisis, right? We know that from Hall, right? It could be yeah. that moment, right, where the hegemony shifts. But it feels like we've been on the precipice of it for a couple of years yeah but, um yeah. yeah we'll see. yeah we'll see we'll see but this is how change happens it happens in these in this way because you know people will just sit there quietly in suffering you know keep calm and carry on they'll, they'll keep doing that until you know the house <laughs> has blown down yeah so <laughs> we know how to do we know we have to kind of step it up a little bit but listen it's been a really fantastic conversation we want to thank the surviving society team for Thank you. Giving us this opportunity. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening to Surviving Society. To support our work, you can rate, review and subscribe to host or produce a series of Surviving Society. Get in touch with us via Twitter or Instagram.